Alrighty, we're back with another edition of Behind the Vinyl. Uh, this time Nicholas is here and we've got the pleasure of having Dave Ellison again with us. So we uh, thank you again for your time. You're welcome, of course. Uh, this time um, you picked the record uh, and you picked uh, Judas Priest, Unleashed in the East. Right. Yeah. Yeah, a game changer for me. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I grew up, so I grew up on a farm in Minnesota, yep. very rural Probably go north, what, a couple hours from Stockholm, and that's basically what it was like right, where yeah, I grew yeah, up, yeah, you know, in yeah. the middle of nowhere. <clears throat> so, you know, how I got my records were, you know, usually from friends or, and I, because I lived on a farm, you know, in the little town of like six miles away. I had a buddy of mine, Greg Handabit, and he, he, he had cable TV. And I, had, I had antenna TV, he had cable. So he got cool rock shows on, you know, um, you know, uh, Wolf, Wolfman Jack, I guess, these, you know, various, uh, you know, different v- VJs, I guess, you know. So yeah. he would turn me on to a lot of different stuff. So, and there was a little record shop in town. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically, it's the restaurant where my Ellison Coffee Company resides now. Oh, that really? It used to be a record store called, a record and music store called Lusk Music. That's nice. They yeah, sold, that's really cool. yeah, yeah. They, they, I bought a bass, I bought a Rickenbacker bass from them, and they had uh, some some records that they would get in. And random things would show up the Sex Pistols, ACDC, right. Cheap Trick. And one day, Judas Priest Unleashed in the East is in there. And of course, I bought a lot of records just based on the album cover. Oh, you, you know. did back then. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean it sold the whole thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um and so I see Unleashed in the East and um I bring that record home. And I can't remember if I bought it that day or if I borrowed Greg's. I forgot how I got it. But right. it was interesting cuz I grew up um you know Kiss Alive Grand Funk, Frampton Comes Alive. I mean, these these live albums, they were always double records, a yep. big gatefold, yep. and they were the game changers. As I now learned, the strategy was they would do three studio records with a new artist, and if it wasn't really catching, they would do a live album, right. and that yep. was usually what put them over the top, yes. multi-platinum, and sets the stage for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Exactly what happened to Kiss. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Frampton, not so much. You know, three records, Frampton Comes Alive, biggest thing ever, yeah, and then couldn't follow it yeah, up. No, I was no. so disappointed yeah. with the follow-up of that, yeah. you know? But here I get, and and also, so, but what happened was, I remember getting uh, ACDC, um, If You Want Blood, You Got It, with Angus stabbing himself yeah, yeah. with a guitar. But yep. It's the Bon Scott version, not yep. the double live right. thing yeah, yeah, he did yeah. later. <clears throat> and, um, and it was a single album, and there's no gatefold, nope. and you pull it out, and it's just in a white, yep. Yep. <laughs> like a, you know, yep. like a dust, sleep, dust cover. You're like, this is kind of uneventful. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, but, you know, that record changed my life. I mean, all of a sudden, now I'm an ACDC fan. So, you know, I guess I go from, like, Bachman Turner Overdrive to Kiss to Van Halen to Boston to uh, ACDC. Right. And then this Judas Priest record shows up. And um, I took that home, and I needle-dropped that thing. And, and, I mean, just it just blew me away. And I, think, and I realized up until this point I loved hard rock. Right. And I didn't really know heavy metal until I listened to Unleashed in the East. Now I was like, this is heavy metal. Like, I get it. I get what the, I get the look of it. I get the sound of it. It it scared me a little bit, which was intriguing. You know, um, I don't know what it is about us metal guys. We like to, like, look over the abyss into the occult. Uh, 
danger, yeah. you know, just oh, yeah. everything that, I mean, that's yeah. what it is. It's, it it's, is. it's, uh, and what, and the funny thing is, you know, the, the, ch the church obviously is scared of us and normal people in society, <laughs> yeah. but they get to know us. They realize like, these are like actually okay people. You yeah, know? Absolutely. Quite the opposite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. The best people. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I feel like we, let's face it. The more, the heavier the band, the nicer the guys. Sure. Exactly. Right. The, the lighter the band, the more <laughs> fucked up they are Quite <laughs> yeah. on drugs and crazy. I mean, pop yeah. artists, you yeah. know what I mean? It's oh, like, yeah. it's like going to the gym. I think the more you lift, the, the better, the more chill you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. True, true.
Did, did, but you, had you listened to anything by Judas Priest before Nothing. this? Right? Didn't Nothing. know anything about him. Oh. Didn't know anything about him. But okay. I mean, everything about it from the logo oh, sure, yeah. to seeing the band. I th what I thought was odd was that Glenn Tipton was smiling, which I thought, <laughs> this is really weird for a band this heavy. And I couldn't tell which guitar player was which, but I mean, the picture of K.K. Downing on the cover, oh, I yeah. mean, game changer. I All mean, right. and I've told him now that I'm friends with him and we've played together. Yeah. I, I, I was like, dude, that picture, that just, that changed my whole life. Wow. Man. I mean, the, the, the leather boots, the, you know, blonde haired yeah. back V in the yeah. air, you know, and it's, uh, it's, you know, it, it's just, it was amazing. And, it, you know, and then now, of course, I know the story having played with Les Binks. He told me the detail of the story um, of, you know, he's, there's no drummer in the, in the picture. Right. Right. And again, I guess, you know, KK talks about this even in his book, you know, oh, yeah. gets into the detail of it, but, um, but just looking at it, you know, and, um, everybody looked cool and Halford, you know, we, I think we always kind of knew something was a little off, you know, but <laughs> and, and we, and, and, and you couldn't tell what it was, but you're like, He's so freaking metal, dude. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's awesome, you know, and and and, and we don't care. We love Rob, you know, and, yeah. and, and, he's, and he's just got one of the greatest voices. Forget about just yeah. heavy, clearly in heavy metal, one of the greatest voices. Yeah. But in the world next to Freddie Mercury, I mean, next to the any put him up against any right. of the greats. And he's he holds his own yeah. against yep. any of them, you know, and I think that's what Unleashed in the East was for me is that it was this record that. The bass playing sounded great. The guitars were in, the rhythm guitar sounded great. The solos were were amazing. The drumming, of course, especially with just the needle drop of straight into Exciter. Yeah, you're like, geez, come on. I mean, that that just for my guys my age, you know, me and you know Lombardo, any of the big four. I mean, yeah. game changer. I mean, yeah. it, it invented our genre. You know, that drumming, right. and then of course Halford singing. You're like, dude, like, how does he even do this? I mean that. And I think probably for, you know, again, my age group, that is the record that led the pack. Yeah. And from there, I discovered Motorhead and then Venom and then Iron Maiden and then, you know, the first Def Leppard record and essentially the new wave of British heavy metal right. that followed after that Unleashed in the East record. But I, I got to ask because I, I remember I, I, I talked to Dennis Stratton, the... Uh, one of the Iron Maiden guitar players. Right. And they toured with Priest in... 79 or 80 and i asked him like did you know back then that that rob halford was gay was like, yeah yeah you know, you know. yeah so I, i was when when halford came out i was like he's gay i had no idea <laughs> yeah it seemed it kind of seemed commonplace and and again you know in this day and age it's it's you know it's 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 just part of the you know the lifestyle and, oh absolutely you know, and and rob is just one of the the sweetest guys ever absolutely you know? and um but and it must have been like the best kept secret ever well it was not the day and age to be coming out no of course, one, of course especially inside a heavy metal yes yeah, like yeah. you know with this is you know almost unheard of and right. it's kind of the thing that i think you know again guys you know i'm pretty much a 
kind of a male-driven thing. Right, yeah. And if you wanted to piss off your chick, just pull out Maiden records, you know, and Priest records, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah. Until, you know, but it's interesting how after Unleashed in the East, I mean, speaking of this, you know, this live album concept right. yeah. that the record labels used, you know, what followed from that, I remember being in a record store in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, about an hour west of the little of Jackson, Minnesota, where I grew up. And I was in a music store called Musicland, <clears throat> a record store. And I and I hear this record, and I'm like, this is freaking amazing. And 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 I guess it was probably breaking the law, and you know, the first and I went to the to the to the counter and said, What is this? And he said, Oh, it's, and, he, and he goes, I don't know, let me look. You know, he's one of those, right? Uh, Judas Priest. I said, Well, is it new? You know, and, and I don't know, yeah, it looks like it. I'm like, I, I'll buy that, you know. And that, and so I mean again, come following right up after that. Yeah. Um, you know, British Steel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, so this was a band that clearly had depth and mm-hmm. could write songs. Sure. And, you know, what, they, they had a sound and they, yeah. they, they weren't, you know, that, that's what I think what impressed me equally as much is that the follow-up to Unleashed in the East and then, of course, you know, uh, Point of Entry wasn't as heavy. Yep. Um, but then, you know, screaming for vengeance. I mean, you know, this is this is kind of one two punch that they had, you know, moving through. So, I mean, that was it was a band to follow. And, yep. and, as, and then as I went back and I listened to the earlier records, I'm like, OK, the guitar tones aren't as good. No, yep. the production isn't as good. I mean, I'm glad I came into it on Unleashed At in East. Point. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm glad that was the one because yeah. that. I think if you were a fan of some of the earlier records, you might not have been a fan of Unleashed in East because no. it was. It's such a different sound. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. the whole sound was different, you know? Yeah. But it's also that the tour was for the Killing Machine album. Yes. Which was called Hellbent for Leather in the U.S. <clears throat> yes. For, I don't know, some and reason. And I actually, when I when I went over and I played the show with KK uh, that we just did, the um, the More Live with Death, Mega Priest, as, as KK calls it, the right. show that we did it in, in <laughs> Wolverhampton at, at, at the KK Steel Mill back in uh, November. Um I was in Wolverhampton and there was a little record shop and um, <clears throat> found Killing Machine. Right. And I just had to buy it just because, you know, I had, uh, yeah. you know, Hellbent for Letta. And Hellbent yeah. for Letta was a great record, you know. And, yeah. And, yes. I mean, that's the thing about, you know, by, you know, these live albums were often a, a, a pivotal point because then you could go back and explore the earlier music. And in, right. in Priest's case, Hellbent for Letter, great record, great yeah. songs, just true to form. Yeah. And then Stained Class was like, okay, still awesome, great riffs. Production not quite as good, but but still great. I mean, great songs. Um, and, it, you know, you know who turned me on to that record was actually our first Megadeth drummer, Dijon Carruthers. When uh, I lived mm-hmm. in L.A., he was really big into Les Binks. And okay. Les okay. Binks and Cozy Powell. And so he was really, so he turned me, he got me really into the Stained Class right, right. record. And then it seemed like the stuff before that, I, I was not as much of a fan of it. Just mm. because of, I think just because the production wasn't as good. Right, right, right. You know, and it's amazing how a great, a well-produced record, what just what a different impact it yeah. has. Either yeah. it grabs you or you just walk by the stereo yeah. and it, it doesn't grab you. Right. And this was the first one. Unleashing the East is the first one they did with Tom Allen. Mm-hmm. He produced it, and then they worked yeah. with him for for a number of albums. Right. Who, yeah. who, he hasn't really done that much. His, his no. resume is not that big. No. For no. someone who's had so much success. Oh yeah. With yeah. Judas Priest. Yeah. yeah. But that that whole live album thing is a thing of yesteryear. It doesn't work these days. No. You know, no. The releasing the live record is kind of a you know a gap filler. 
Even yeah. for us, I mean, and, and by the time we were making records in Megadeth, that mindset was kind of gone. Was gone, you know? right? Yeah, I, it, it, like we would make live, and it's funny we would make live records, and I go, why don't our records sound as good as that? You know, <laughs> and then I realized as they, as they often found, you know, Kiss Alive was not so alive, no, and exactly, unleashed in the studio, and yes. you know, they're, they're, and, and you know, you would hear these things, you're like, no way, they couldn't be, you know, no. yeah. and um, you know, even like hearing, you know, readings things with Eddie Kramer when he talked about yes. making the, the Kiss, and they, yep. they were live tracks and there were live stuff and sure. like, like paul stanley said in his book he goes like why would we put out a, a shitty sounding record without a tune guitar it's like sure. of course we would want to fix that sure. we would exactly. want it to sound yeah. good because yeah. yeah. it is still a record yeah. yeah you know and but one thing eddie kramer talked about i think it was him on that record was up to that point most live records were you know ladies and gentlemen please welcome kiss there'd be a cheer and then all the audience would go away and the band would play, yes right yeah so the idea with Kiss Alive was that there was this continuous loop of exactly. audience yes. in the background. Yes. So you really felt like you were in yeah. the, It worked for me. Oh, hell yeah. I yeah. thought I was in Madison Square Garden <laughs> the whole, through the whole Absolutely. Kiss Alive album. Absolutely. And it was kind of like that. I got that same feeling from Unleashed in the East, right. where um, obviously the Japanese audience, um, when I would later learn in my own career, their fervor for metal and you yeah. know, and that. But, um, but it was... Wasn't so much the audience you heard on Unleashed in East, but the you felt the reverb of the guitars right. that was synonymous with the size of the venue. Right, right. And that is a real art to doing that, you yeah. know, and 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 to making this record sound like you were like right on stage yes. with them. Yep. You know, and and that's what I felt like when I listened to the preacher. I don't feel like I'm in front of the band. I feel like I'm on stage on with the band. And that's an entirely different experience. Yeah. In for surprise, you're in for a shock. London town streets, when there's darkness and fire. When you least expect me, you turn your back, I'll attack. I smile when I'm sneaking through shadows by the wall. I laugh when I'm creeping. But you won't see me at all Oh, hear my warning Never turn your back on the river You'll soon shake the fear And never knowing if I'm near I'm flying and shameless Eternal and nameless Except for the river Or if you like, check the night Yeah. 
unleashed in the studio, from what I understand, is the um, all the instruments are live. There's Rob Halford's voice. It's only Rob Halford's yeah. voice because it was destroyed. You know, the, the yeah, that, or it even says somewhere that he had like um, that he was sick or something, and and the voice didn't really work or something. And, and here's another thing I know from experience recording live records is you know you're as a singer you've you're singing into a microphone which is a live very direct. Like me talking into this microphone. Yeah. Imagine if there was a microphone ten feet away, yeah. picking up a different. You would hear my voice with a ten foot. There'd be a several millisecond delay. Yeah. So you've got all these live microphones all over the stage, especially on the drums, overheads and stuff that are picking up a lot of different yeah. audio sources. And in particular, what what really affects it are certainly if you have monitors right in front of you. Most importantly, the side fill monitors. Right. They're blowing into the microphone. And again, I don't know what it is, maybe a five to 10 second millisecond, millisecond delay. Mm, right, yeah. So it's flaming. What you're hearing is the vocal, but then you would hear this delay. Right. That's not desirable. Right. Like, so that's why lots of times singers have to recut vocals on live records right. is, yeah. is to get rid of these delays. And that's not easy because some microphone somewhere is picking up the original vocal. Right, yeah. Right. So yeah. somewhere your hi hat mic is picking up like, oh gosh, there's the vocal. Ah! It's like, oh boy, how do we get rid of that? Well, we're gonna have to have him scream ah! over top of that, like for real. You know what I mean? So, re so live albums are not as easy to make as one might think. No. You know, and especially to artfully craft them in a yeah. way that they sound like you're really in the room with the band. Yeah. And, I know and, Kiss Alive too on the original recording where the guy says, uh, "You wanted the best, you got the best." Mm -hmm. uh, the story goes that on the recording, it sounded like he said piss. Oh, really? So then Gene had to re-record it and say kiss All right. at the start of the album. So that's a funny thing. <laughs> well, that's yeah. a good I never heard that one. Yeah. That's awesome. That's good. I like that. Yeah. See, the stories are just, I mean, yeah. awesome. And especially the folklore versus, oh, yeah. you know, like, again, oh, yeah. I was sat down with Les Binks and I got the real scoop. As, as KK talks about in his book, you know, that he was a hired guy. Right. He was like one of the London uh, session musicians, him, Simon Phillips. They did a lot of records. They cut records right, all around London. Right, right. Amazing and, drums. Yeah. yeah. You know, and yeah. and so less. Yeah, and, and of course, Simon played on, what was it, Sin After Sin or Sad Wings of Destiny? I forgot which. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. One of the early ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and so now Les is in the band, a stained class, Hellbent for Leather. And then uh, as the story goes, they walk into the venue in Japan and suddenly there's like a tape, you know, there's a truck and clearly they're going to record and, and, you know, he being a side man is like, well, I, wait a minute, I'm just playing a show here. I'm not contracted or paid to be cutting a record. That's a whole separate, that's a whole separate contract. Right. And right. as I think from KK's book, he talks about how management just, you know, at that time was, was not kind of less and it was, it, it got shitty. And so, <laughs> you know, he, he walked from the band and that's why, you know, well, they probably had to shoot the cover. Who knows if they even had a drummer. Yeah, Maybe right. They didn't have even have a drummer at that time. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. So Rob strategically placed in front of the, you know, I mean, we didn't know as a fan. We're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> drummer's awesome. Why didn't they show his face? You know, but but, uh, you know, then you learn the backstory of it. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's what I, and I think for me personally, as a fan, but now also as a as a friend, um, two Judas Priest guys mm. and and, yep. uh, and in particular, Les and, and KK, it was great for us to do that show in Wolverhampton yeah. because it was sort of like bringing 
sort of like making peace with that situation. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know that had, that was a long-standing thing, and K- and KK and Blessed had been you know in touch in recent years, but they hadn't performed together since Unleashed in the East. Right. As far as I know. Yeah. That's I mean, cool. isn't that amazing? Yeah. I get goosebumps thinking, <laughs> thinking about it. It's like to for that to come together and and to make peace and. I mean, that's kind of my role in the world. I'm the peacemaker of heavy metal. <laughs> it's like, all right, you two, stop fighting. Let's get together and play. You know, but uh, for those two guys, especially, and especially being heroes of mine, you know, yeah. guys who changed my life, you know, to be together in a, you know, in a room and right. get up on stage and, yeah. and play. And, um, and it was, uh, it was, it was, that was a cool moment, especially when you know those stories. Hey, I'm in a band. I've got, we've got our own stories about disagreements and yeah, how yeah. things go and, you know, it's nice when you can find some peace and brotherhood with that and yeah. move forward again. You know? Definitely, definitely. Um, Ian Hill, probably one of the most underrated bass players of all time. And he's uh, always in the background. Always in the background, yeah. always takes a backseat, doesn't do a lot of interviews. Right. Um, did, did his playing have any effect on you? He, I, I'm probably the biggest Ian Hill fan there oh. is, hands down. Yeah. I mean, I don't hear too many people talk about him. No, I no, completely appreciate how he plays what he plays how he fits into the role of that group yeah um you know again i kind of referenced kk's book a little bit that you know he talked about how he never brought song ideas in and how they would have certainly listened to anything he brought in for whatever reason he was not a writer right um and that's fine not everybody is you know um and he seemed to be okay and be comfortable till still to this day being the supportive role. He's a founding member of the yep. band. Yep. I mean, exactly. without him and KK, the band wouldn't even exist. So, no. I mean, he was a founding guy. Um, but his playing is, is, you know, that earlier stuff is not as simple as people make it out to be. Um, there's a lot. I kind of almost liken it to like, you know, KK said he was, he was a big fan of Jack Bruce. To me, mm. it sounds almost more like Jethro Tull. Right, There's some very progressive bass playing right. that he's that he's doing. I mean, yeah. you listen to things like Tyrant, yeah, um, and a lot of those earlier records. This stuff was was played very well, very clean. In fact, I I modeled a lot of my tone on on Ian, mm-hmm. the very clean, precise pick playing. Right, right, right. Um, laying oftentimes playing with the guitars, and other times just laying a nice bedrock foundation that's right. real simple and clean <clears throat> for dave to put riffs over top of right so i've i i mean ian is absolutely a cornerstone of my bass point
this funny thing is also, since it was the Killing Machine album, there's only two songs off of that album. And also, they have two um, cover songs. Uh, Diamonds and Rust and The Green Man Alishi. Absolutely. Even though they've turned those songs into their own songs, it's a- still kind of weird. Absolutely. And unusual that there's so many records, so many songs missing from, from Help yeah. the Leather oh, that yeah. you would have thought yeah. would have been on this yeah, record. Absolutely. They instead put... Uh, they didn't put Delivering the Goods on there. That one came later on. However, as on I'm looking deluxe, at my iTunes as we're doing this interview, do you have the... Uh, the uh, at the deluxe edition, well, the deluxe yeah, edition. exactly. I had, which is what a shock to get that. Yeah, because you know you realize you go like again, like kind of like Rust in Peace. There can't possibly just be eight songs in a concert, no. right? <laughs> no, there's got to be more. Yeah, and then you Hell get yeah. the, you know the this you know this got delivered in the goods, yeah. Hellbent Forever, Leather yeah. Rock for, Rock Forever is yep. on it. You exactly. know what I mean? Yep. So there's there's your three more songs exactly. that yeah, they yeah. played yeah. on the tour. Yeah, two two thousand and one. That was released in two thousand and one. Although mm. these songs did come out. In in they were on B sides, they were on Japanese releases. Right. Yes, because uh, through, throughout in between the time, in between the nineteen seventy seventy nine release, right, and the two thousand one, yeah, they right. had been placed here and placed there along the way. But there was also the Japanese version had uh, an extra seven inch that you got with seven the album. Final. I think the yeah. UK version did as well. Which I didn't learn about until like yeah, you know, not mean, that many years ago. Yeah, I mean in America we just got one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you get what you get. You <laughs> exactly. know what I mean? And well, and it's funny, you know, you're right. The um the songs that were what, Running Wild, um Sinner, The Ripper. Yep. Green but Man what Alicia. else was on uh, the Green Man Elise? You're you're talking about the songs that were from Hellbent for Leather. So there's what, uh, Running Wild. Yeah, Green and Man uh, the Green Man Alishi. That's that it. it. That's that was it. it. Yeah, the rest no, are from Stained Class, Sin After Sin, and Side Wings of Destiny. And you figure if this were the 13 songs from the from the show, and right. it might have even been more, but let's assume those were the, yeah, the 13. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, at some point you sit down and you go, okay, which ones of these sound the best, make the most sense to put together right, in a lineup? Right, yeah. right. You know? Um, I mean, I think the, the, the lineup that they had, the first, the nine songs, Exciter through Tyrant, I mean, it's flawless yeah yeah and flaw i mean yeah. and, and, i well, mean that's the original record yeah, yeah the yeah, original exactly. record yeah. i mean just yeah. flawless and i mean i mean even diamonds and rust i mean you yeah. know there's oh, a band who yes. made covers sound not at all like the original exactly I mean, who would have thought of joan by no blazing metal record <laughs> no. you know yeah. Yeah. and it was so cool that they took that and took yeah. that in i mean now when we think of diamonds and rust we don't go oh you mean the joan by right cover. yeah yeah you know i mean there's some songs if you heard a you know if it was a I don't know, you know, Neil Young or yeah. Bob Dylan song, yeah. you know, not going to heaven's door. Oh, it's a Bob Dylan song, you yeah. know, not this case. You think no. diamonds are, Oh, dude, the priest song. Absolutely. You, you yeah. immediate, and that's how, that's how freaking impactful they were yeah. Oh yeah. is that they, they changed. I mean, and Joan Baez, I mean, she was a, a pop beatnik, you know, yeah. cultural icon yeah. and priest trumped her. Yeah. You know what I mean? One up there, one up there, at least for our ears. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, you know, it's, I mean, that, that's pretty impactful for a band to, 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 to do that. Yeah. I think, you know? Oh yeah. I think like, I think all these, cause they consisted of, I think Unleash in the East is three shows. I think two from two Tokyo. Shows. Two, is it two shows. Two shows from Tokyo. Yeah. And, the, uh, and I think it, there's one from, um, did they play Osaka Kyoto or, something? or something? Kyoto or something like that. Okay. I heard it was two. two oh, okay. Kosi Nenken Hall. Might have been. Does that sound right? I think they're all out there as bootlegs, and yeah. one of them is is on YouTube. Okay. Uh, anyway. Oh, it is. Yeah, and it it uh, it sounds killer. It sounds wow. absolutely amazing. Yeah. And I think it's it might have been. 
might have been a Mr. Peach, who's a legendary bootlegger from Japan. Right. Uh, one of his recordings because he always did yeah. like the the good stuff. Yeah. So well, that's the thing, really you know. Good. You would, well, I know for us. I mean, we'll just we'd play a show in Japan, and the next day go over to Shinjuku to yeah. the you know to the bootleg store. Yeah. There it is. Right. You're like, wait a minute, I didn't even see any cameras in the place, and they've got full HD yeah. five point one. You know, you're like, geez, these guys got it down. You know, I guess if you invent the Walkman and you. Yeah, <laughs> true, true, as, true. As, as an artist, that's one thing. Obviously, it can be annoying and it can be this and it right. can be that. Yeah. I used to find that when I lived in London, you know, moving pretty young to London yeah. and used to go to Camden Markets. That I used to love. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't think it impaired or impacted on my buying music. It just absolutely yeah, it just added to oh, it because yeah. I'd oh, go yeah. there and the show that I just saw. Yeah. Well, a friend of mine was just was just the, over there, and he just was sending me something. He goes, hey, did you guys do a live from Bakken? I said, <laughs> I remember they filmed it, but I don't remember it ever being released. And he showed me a picture of it in this record shop. In right, Shinjuku. yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, it looks like it's in a full Blu-ray, oh, sure. DVD, yeah. perfectly packaged. Yeah. It looks like it's, you know, like a blockbuster film. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing. Well, in fact, I remember going there, like the promoter would always say, you know, I said, oh, we want to go to the bootlegs. Oh, uh, Thursday we will go. It's like, well, can't we go today? Uh, no, Thursday we go. And then you go, and suddenly there's no Megadeth stuff on the shelves that day. And that was when I first, it's funny that, that, and then I remember happening, stumbling in there one day, you know, not, you know, unannounced. And like, right. of course, there's, you know, a whole wall of Megadeth bootlegs. Yeah. So, you know, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, but God bless course, them. You know, yeah. it's, it's, I think the bootleg, like, it, it, like, does it hurt record sales? Of course not. You know, because if you're going in to buy a bootleg, you, you're really a fan. That means you probably exactly. already own everything anyway. Exactly. You're looking exactly. for these extra exactly. Easter eggs, and that's where they're found. Oh, exactly. yeah. But it was a way more fun, like, in the, in the 80s uh, and, and, and trying to find, like, like Kiss bootleg. Sure. And, find shows that you didn't even know existed. Well, that's when I knew that there was extra songs to Unleashed in the East because right. I saw that bootleg over there. Right, had right. The yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. why when it finally came out, like you say, the official Sony release yeah. in 2001, I'm like, all right, I, I have seen this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, and I buy most of my music on iTunes, except I will say, I think I went to my iTunes library today to find some demo of something I had done and it doesn't exist in iTunes anymore. So oh. did they, I think they've made the transition of if you didn't buy it through the store, right? It's no longer. In the, oh, okay, yeah. right. Yeah, Which yeah. I think is their way of phasing out, right? You know, yeah, yeah. Essentially, all the songs that I bought over the last twenty years are right. just gonna okay. take away from me now and right and turn it into a <laughs> streaming service. Right? Wasn't that their announcement? You know, <laughs> that's the downside. You don't yeah. own it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Dave, thanks for your time. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so Great much. Pleasure. Um, yeah. And um, we will have you next time you're over. We'll definitely have you back. Absolutely. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Cool. Kill it.
Open the leather. 